The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Like Pete, if you found a 1,500-year-old Viking sword, what chances you turn that over to the museum? It depends. It depends. What does it depend on? Uh, There's a museum in your house? It, well, it depends on the sword. If the sword was special and, like, it was needed to, like, understand some, you know, to unlock yeah. some more stuff. But this just looks sure. like a Viking but it, sword. If it's just one of, like, if they've got hundreds of these things, no, I'd keep it. Yeah, dude, put that up on your on your mantle. I mean, like, if I found that sword in, like... Lake Michigan, then I'd be like, "All right, this yeah. is important." <laughs> this is pretty, yeah, like, uh, okay, well, we need to rethink a lot of things. Yeah, like this is this is something you know. Dude, imagine the first person that finds like a Viking sword somewhere in like the Northeast. You know what I mean? Like in like. Well, Maine they found a lot of Viking stuff up there. I know, but like, if you find, have they found a sword? Yet? I don't know. Let's see, but they've definitely found like you know stones with runes on them and things yeah. like evidence of of Viking. Uh, Inhabitants, Viking evidence. Can you imagine how amazing it'd be if we, found a, if we found a, a Basque sword? Mm. Oh, it'd be unbelievably amazing, dude. I, I want to tell no one about that. The new season of Anthony Bourdain is out now, uh, and I watched. Yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy one, but he goes to somewhere in the Basque region of Spain, and mm. uh, and like where? The, uh, San Sebastian. Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, that's the place, man. Yep. And, That's uh, why I went for my brother's um, bachelor party. C. Oh, yeah. Basque. C. Basque. Yeah, he's like talking to a bunch of like this guy who makes uh, like an old, I don't even know how old, uh, like Basque fishing vessel. And he's like yeah. making, he's hewing it from like, you know, all hand done, all old tools. Gotta hew it. Gotta hew it. Yeah. It's gotta be hewn. Guys, hand hewn. San, Seb- San Sebastian is just like the most supreme place. We should all be at all times. I'm sure you got that from the episode. I'm sure Bordan yeah. related that. But it is like peak evolution. You why know? don't Why you don't know? we just in, <laughs> Why don't we relocate <laughs> the fire escape, escape yeah. <laughs> to San Sebastian? Yeah, I mean, I would be so down with it. I can't even begin to say how much that would be I'm completely in. fine by me. I mean, but genuinely, it's like a place where you go and you're like, you're a bit like you just the whole idea of evolution, you know, you're kind of like, this is why it makes just like, you know, this is like some of the greatest aspects of humanity, like just the concepts of things like food and festivity, and like companionship, you know, and how they've sort of threaded together over time and reached some sort of apogee of excellence. And that's what you get in like San Sebastian. Mm. You know, it's just like, apogee of excellence is a good, I want to go there. Welcome to the fire escape, everybody. Hey, y'all. Uh, this is the Internet's <laughs> premier transatlantic pod- podcast. Uh, we tell stories. We talk transatlanticism. We are two dudes from Alabama and a Welsh Londoner who frequently finds himself in different locations around the world. And A whole, a whole, like normal, a, a whole normal preamble. 
Or, it's becoming increasingly defunct. Isn't it? My, we do given my, given my movements. We do whinging about the big city still, anyway. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, Pete, yeah, yeah. Pete and I are here in sunny New York City. It's it's making its mind up on whether or not it's fall or summer at the moment. And uh, Howell is in. Where are you in right but, now? But, uh, yeah, I am in. Ich bin in Berlin. I am a donut. Um, in Berlin. In Berlin. Always. Germany, which I'm uh, really enjoying very much. I would recommend. Now I've been here for quite some time, hiding in my cave, and my deadline is now a couple of weeks away. So uh, I am managing to get out a little bit, not a huge amount, but it's um, really, really nice here. Very convivial. Everyone's very friendly. I feel I like it. I feel like you need to learn the word for cave in German now that you've said yeah, it so yeah. many times in Berlin. Well, it is actually a lot of how I feel. I do feel like I'm in the cave. Like, I try to venture out and be like, no, I should be out with people and like do some more stuff. I'm in Berlin. But, you know, but it's, mm. you know when like a work job is just so, I mean, it's just like there's no getting away from it, right? And oh, it's yeah. just like, no, I just have to be back in the cave. Yeah. I mean, I'll go for a little stroll around the park and get coffee and whatnot, but, you know. I you need to go out there and get yourself an undercut and like exactly. some Doc and really, Martens and some really some, harsh, you know. like straight black bangs. Yep. And go yeah. to some really intense, um, orgy-tastic techno parties. Really, I mean, yeah. it's, on, it's really. on the list, you know. Yeah. Have you gotten like skin-tight pleather short shorts yet? Yeah, of course I have. In With combat like boots. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 Totally. Yeah. And like, walking around with my um, lager beer, my beer. Um, yeah. Stains and getting ready for Oktoberfest, yeah. And mm. uh, see, I mean, it's what they do here, here, man. Like you know, like the parties, people party, real partying going on. Yeah. And I have yet to. I mean, I actually have considered. You know, I'm, I'm a bit old school in nature. I like, you know, I like guitars, <laughs> as we all do. Mm-hmm. But I'm not averse to a little bit of electronic music. You know, like it sounds like a sound like an old man even saying that out loud. But I actually I'm... do like quite a lot of electronic music. But I'm not massively into my techno. I'll be honest. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm I pretty averse thinking, to that. Yeah, like I'm not a hundred percent, but but yeah. pretty averse. I like melody, you know, and uh, yeah. I like. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of electronic music I do like, and I can be I can get into. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think of genres. It just kind of depends. On me. It can be anything really. But um, I don't really go for like techno massively. And there's a big techno scene thing here. There's lots of other stuff. But I am thinking that if I get to the end of this that i will maybe and i am i'm making progress i'm in the cave and i feel like i'm actually making real progress so it's all good but i'm thinking i might go and hit uh, once if i'm done in time i am thinking maybe i might go dancing i mean i might really go dancing and i'll report dancing, back on the virus game but then uh i will come i'll go dancing i'll be a dancing donut in yep. for at least a couple of days because if i see myself to the end of this project and hand it in you may not see me for some time. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Speaking of progress. Progress. Pro- progress. 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 Welcome to episode 53, y'all. And Yee. since that means we started counting the episodes at episode one instead of episode zero, uh-huh. that means this is the one year anniversary of Yee. the Fire Escape podcast. We've been doing this. For, that was a weird... Uh, tongue movement I just saw from no, the no, side. It, it wasn't weird. Yeah, okay. It was just this. Doing it again doesn't make it not weird. I'll do it one more time. Uh, no, I'm not going to look at it this time. See? It's not yeah. weird. It's not weird. I hope everyone's doing that. I want you all to be doing that at home. Like, 
I said, everyone who's listening now has been listening with us all the way. Or even if you're a new listener, I want you to be celebrating with us and all of us together now. One, two, three, just go. See? Yeah, it is fun to do. See? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not weird. It's good. Happy birthday to us, man. You can do yeah. yeah. Happy, happy first birthday uh, to the Fire Escape podcast. It is kind of hard to believe that we've been doing this for a year. I know. All right. Well, it does happen, man. Yeah, <laughs> one episode every single. No, I mean it does feel like longer. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Like one episode every single week, without fail, mind you. That's because the Firescape is timeless. It is timeless. It's a timeless institution. Yeah, uh, it's it's been around say, for a year now. I would say it's, it occupies the same space within like the human consciousness as things like water. Yeah, or like mountains. You know, just like it just yeah. is in the good it just exists. Um, it, it's once just we, sort of archetypal foundation just yeah. the human the human psyche once we hit episode 147 episodes we'll be able to go into syndication you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so well, you know who knows we might get picked up by uh, the CW or my TV yep, uh, yep. true you know, TV you never know or me TV yep. yeah true TV not the reality network. actuality yeah open, I yeah, feel we're a bit like the podcast equivalent of you know of Wayne's World you know in Wayne's World like the sort of basement, <laughs> um, sort of like the really extraordinarily entertaining, deeply enriching, kind of niche, sort of basement TV show that uh, was sooner rather than later was going to be picked up by a major network and it's going to explode into public consciousness. And then there'll be a movie version made of it, and then it'll become incredibly sort of promo and you know meta, and it'll kind of be confusing. I think in many respects, oh, but definitely. We, won't, we, we won't lose our essence. You know, no, no, no. We're definitely, no, we definitely yeah. graduated from fourth-rate podcast to third-rate podcast over this past yeah. year. I say that's undeniable. Yeah, definitely. Um, once we, you know, we, we're we're not quite a second-rate podcast, but we're getting there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know. So, Another listeners, s- thank you so much for taking us to third-rate podcast level. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have had. We've had some interesting discussions. We've had some very interesting people on. Oh, yeah. Um, we have had all sorts of crazy stuff this year, I feel like. Yeah. I think the thing that felt like it was going to lead into like a clip show. Don't worry, listeners. We're not going to we're not going to put you through a. <laughs> Don't worry, culture is not going to spend the time going back through every Hell single no. episode to come up with a best. Remember part. that one time that, you know, I mean, like there's that hours of. Uh, there's hours of shows. I would say close to a hundred. Yeah, probably close to a hundred hours of audio. I'm not at all going to go back and find all those little, mm-hmm. those little tidbits. But what is cool is you know when we uh probably like a week before we met with you the first time, how to like pitch the idea of the show. We yeah. uh we made a list of probably about twenty five people, twenty people, something like that. Of like you know like our, our dream list of guests, um, and you're like I'd love to get that Welsh guy Howard dream, John on the show, and they were like this is getting on the show every time. Yes, yeah, exactly. you were on that original guest list, and then we were like, well, wait a minute, you know. <laughs> but what's cool is we've gotten through a pretty good number of those guests. I, I look at it sometimes as a little bit of encouragement. And be yeah. like, Man, some of the stuff uh, is you know we did not know these people before we put them on the list, and now we do. Yeah, and that's pretty exciting. It is very exciting. You know, it's fun. I know we still haven't got Elvis. Do you know what I mean? Like, people never get back to us. It's fucking weird, man, and rude. Well, El- Elvis else. is rude, but in recent news, uh, apparently our, our good buddy Tupac is uh, holding it down out in like Malaysia or somewhere. Yeah, according, to, according to Shook that's Knight's what they say. Son. Yeah, He's, Tupac <laughs> is alive and well and living in Malaysia. Yep. 
That's what Siege Night's son told us. Yeah, that's exactly what he told us. To distract him and us from the fact that his dad just got sent down for 30 years. Yep, probably. Likely. Yeah. Or yeah. he's just telling the truth, man. He's living, he's living his truth. He's living his truth. Much like, much, like, uh, much like a lot of our, you know, people that we've talked about on this show are just living their truth. Like our, like our buddy, uh, was it uh, Jean-Sebastian? Am I getting the name right? The uh, our our Basque friend from uh, y- y- oh, you'll be able to uh, Jean Michel Jean Michel there we go Jean Michel Jean Antoine no Michel Antoine Michel Antoine Michel Antoine Michel Antoine Quartier Nicolas was his name that was it there mm. we go man Michel yeah. Antoine I don't know if all of our listeners recently joined that I think is in our first couple of episodes probably the story yeah I think Michel so Antoine yeah Quartier first Nicolas. or second the first it's definitely in the first ten somewhere in there yeah. Yeah. Go back and uh, go back and take a listen. See uh, Basque. That's where C. if you ever hear us say "See Basque," that's where that comes from. Where he was continuing like this. Actually, I think you know if we go if we do cast back to any stories, we can give a sort of ballpark area of where they are and give a little instead of having to seek out the clips themselves, we can just do our best to actually just quote ourselves. Yeah. How about that? I can also probably like tell people what exact episodes these things occurred on. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is turning more and more into a clip show as we speak. Yeah, <laughs> this is turning into a, a this is turning into like a clip show that's not a clip show. Though. Just it's like just when we just oh, tell. so it's like it, a quote show. Part, the this predator is, jumps down out of the trees. <laughs> it's like, this is this is turning into a research paper that's just, but just the footnote section. Like we're just reading the footnotes of yeah. of our of a research paper. And in many respects, I could, uh, I'd like. I mean, I always like to think our interviews are a bit like exploring other people's footnotes do you know what i mean they kind of they talk a bit broadly about their life and we're just like what does that mean and they just go i refer you to footnote number five and they give you you know and give us a little back, oh most assuredly you know i think we pretty well i think footnotes is something that's almost an essential spirit of the fire escape i think yeah fire escape I footnotes you know? i agree with that what do you think noted noted i think um, like, you know also what you said about I am going to say that it is, uh, so I found the episode that it's in. It's actually episode five, mm. C, Basque. Episode five is called A Mystery of Octopuses. Oh, yeah, that was a fun oh, episode. Yeah. That was a fun great, episode. Great and we, we got into it because at that point in time, you were in Providence, Rhode Island. So uh, and that's how we got into that long story of that quote. So The roving Welshman. I, I had a great time in Providence, Rhode Island that week. When we started this podcast, you like you know lived in New York City outright, like as a yeah. you know a, a straight up New Yorker. You you had New Yorker. A, I mean, b- believe it or not, fans. Before the episode started, I mean, he was talking about you know talking about being in Brooklyn, like, yeah, it was like, about, it was, like you I know mean, living my entire you know, voice living in, like this, you know. Yeah, had to stay <laughs> over in Brooklyn, talking about eating bagels, talking about you know eating some Morning sandwiches, the whole time is, you know, <laughs> yeah. strong hero sandwiches and stuff. <laughs> and now he's just you know posh Englishman, been mm-hmm. watching the Royal Wedding too much. Too much time spent. I'll tell you what, though. In Europe. About like, exiled New Yorkers. Um, I can't deal with me wherever I go, I feel. But I've been coming across here. It's almost like maybe there's some sort of strange psychic magnetism for like people who feel like New Yorkers finished them off and they're in different cities, like in exile from New York. But I have 
maybe the past two weeks I've been here, met like five or six people just by chance. You know, like, like just people in coffee shops randomly getting inside to talk to them who were just like, yes, I left New York about two years ago and I just couldn't deal with it anymore and I had to come to somewhere else. You know, it feels like there's this sort of strange subculture of like grieving ex-New Yorkers in a variety of cities around the world. As uh, Ray Lamontain famously said, gotta get out of New York City, son. New York mm-hmm. City's killing me. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling the death blows at, at times, you know? I'm still yeah. alive. I'm still standing. I'm still strong. I'm like Rocky at the end of Rocky 1. There's yeah. a, um, I did it, Adrian. A... I went the full. <laughs> I lost, but I went the full The full count. <laughs> My favorite bit about that is the way he says, I love you. Like everyone else is <laughs> saying, will say, I love you, but he goes, I love you. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. As if, like, in case he was unsure, he was in love with anybody else. Yeah. Which well. I think is kind of great because the emphasis isn't on love. It's like, I love you, you know. It's just that you better know that it's you that I love. And I always thought that was maybe, that was like one of the, not given the Oscar just for that line, do you know what I'm saying? He did, man, and he wrote it too, yeah. It's pretty impressive. So you're still in, you're still in for the fight at the moment. And, you know, I don't know if I'm completely out of the ring with New York, as always, you know. But I, uh... There's this bit, do you know what, the one thing I find, right, is that there's this, there's a novel called Neverland by a guy called Joseph O'Neill. Have you, have you guys heard of him? He writes for the New Yorker a bit. And he, nope. and they, I think he won the Pulitzer uh, back in the day. I'm aware of the story. name. I don't know if, I, I mean, I read the New Yorker. I don't know yeah, what no. I have. Anyway, I'm, anyway. I'm a bad reader. I don't like really yeah, check yeah, bylines. But it's a great, like great, great, great novel. I'd recommend it to everybody, to you guys, uh, all in sundry. But it's about a guy and about his life in New York after he gets divorced. And then he, um, and then he's left and he's telling the story in the perspective of having left New York City. And it's kind of a murder mystery and it's about cricket in like the outer boroughs around New York sometimes. It's very odd. But there's this amazing cricket. But there's this amazing, um, there's this amazing line like, in the third page. Where he's in, I think he's in London. He's talking about being New York, and he says this. He goes, he says, life after leaving New York City will forever carry the tint of aftermath, like that. Mm. And I remember just being really struck by that. And I read that before I came to New York. No, it was after I first worked in New York when I was on Broadway. And I remember being like, enough, feel you, man. But I really wanted to go back. But I've been finding myself thinking of that phrase because that's the echo that you feel totally pulling you back. Is that nothing is ever quite the same since, you know, that it has that sort of effect of you, you know, and you kind of have to accept that a bit like a grief or something. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, that's what I've always said about New York is like, I think it's a weird, it's a weird, complicated, I think, kind of set of emotions, but I desperately look forward to missing it because I know I will. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know without a doubt of a shadow of a doubt there's enough things about it that I really do love that were exciting and inspiring and all these different things that right now I'm very tired of, but I know after, you know, a year or something, once I leave New York, I will like, I will really miss that, but I'm looking forward. Like, I think I'll enjoy that nostalgia for New York. I think my friend, my friend, Lauren, who's a poet and teaches at NYU, the very talented Lauren McClung, I would reckon, um, 
recommend many people seek out her work, uh, but she calls, um, she has a habit of calling New York the cruel mistress. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, can't be away, can't be there. You know, like some sort of certain yeah. horribly difficult, seductive relationship that you can't escape. I wonder know? what that, what is, what is that? Like, I, I don't think, because there, there's obviously, there's a lot of great cities in the world. Like, I mean, Paris is a great city. I think London is probably a great city from the little we saw of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure like, I don't know, like Tokyo or L.A. or, you know, whatever. There's there's tons of great cities in the world. I'm, I'm sure of it. But I don't that doesn't have that cruel That doesn't have that cruel mistress energy. Yeah, with like where yeah. people, everyone agrees like, oh, it's just barely livable. Yeah, it's like, but, but it's so many people love it. Like she gives, she gives you so much, but she, ta- but yet she takes so much away. Yeah, it's just, you know? it's a weird thing that I, I just, I wonder, because like while you're here, you're like, okay, it's, it's personal to me, so like I get why I, I get that, but then you realize like, oh, it's not just me though. It's, it is like, it is probably the biggest stereotype of New York, or like the biggest like generalization about New York is, uh, you know, if you've if you've spent time living here. It will probably affect the rest of your life, mm-hmm. it, you know, in some emotional mm-hmm. way. It just seems to yeah. be a through line uh, from people who loved it to people who yeah, hate like it. Yeah, there's a whole genre of literature. I mean, you can yeah. find it in bookshops of, that, which are just books devoted to leaving New York. <laughs> yeah. you know, what it means to leave New York. People sort of going through, talking what I'm talking about, sort of slightly sort of self-flagellating themselves for leaving the city and not knowing how to come back. I mean, blah, 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 blah. It's sort of weird collection of non-fiction writing but it's there to be had if you want to seek it out i can't think of any equivalent to that i can't think in london when you go to the bookshop and you're like where's where can i find the leaving london books yeah you know? mm-hmm. yeah it's I, I don't know it's it's such a it is well, a it's very funny, isn't it? talking about it as a cruel mistress i mean it makes you think because sometimes you know like objects or places get given gender don't they obviously mm-hmm. like the european languages they like to genderize everything um but uh but it's, you know, sometimes boats are normally girls, aren't they? As well, mm-hmm. and um, often cars. Uh, mm-hmm. um, things are nor- most of them are normally tend female. Tend to be female, except, they, except yeah. for in Germany. No. In Germany, the fatherland. Uh, the fatherland. But they, um, I would think of New York as a woman. I'm mean, just instinctively that makes sense to me. I would think of New York as a woman rather than as a dude. I believe. Would you agree? I feel like the it's hmm. best summed up by the Roger Allen Wade song. He's the cousin of Johnny Knoxville. He also recorded the uh, their the Jackass yeah. intro. But I think I that, that love in New York is like frying bacon naked. Wait a minute, hold on, <laughs> hold on. He's like frying bacon naked. He yeah, has a yeah. song called that's, that. that's, that's Roger, Roger Allen Wade. Wade. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Loving you like, like frying bacon naked. Yeah, it's a great song. Yep. Yeah, no, that is that's the best way to sum up. There's a whole host of amazing lyrics. You know, like. LCD sound system, right? New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know? Um, yeah. The, the one that always gets me is that uh, the the Pogue song, Fairy Tale New York. Oh, yeah. You know? It's just like nothing but horrible, just gross depictions of gross people. Being gross. It being and gross. Each, and destroying each other. Yeah. But like merrily destroying around. each other. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just. <laughs> But somehow it's a, it's a, I love that. That song makes me feel very good. Mm-hmm. That, there's no tinge of sadness in that song to me. Like it only makes me feel really happy. <laughs> I, <laughs> it makes it's, many, many people feel very happy. Yeah, it's, it's sickening, you know? Yep. Uh, I don't know, man. New York. 
I don't know. Like, it's I, a song, you know, uh, you know, Gil Scott Heron, who did uh-huh. Revolution Will Not Be Televised, oh, yeah. but his last album, I think he, has he died? I think he might have done that now. But, I don't know. No, he had a pretty rough life. Uh, the internet man, but his, Yeah, but he had a lot, his last album had a song called New York Is Killing Me, which I remember listening to at some point last year, this time in a while, and I was like, uh, feel you. But I just remember the lyrics there, like, um, which is literally like a guy who's on the edge of the, the end. The lyrics are like, the doctors don't, Someone like the doctors don't know, but New York was killing me. Yeah. He's like, the doctors come around to see me, but they don't know that New York is killing me. And then he's like, I need to go home and take it slow in Jackson, Tennessee. That's like the line. He's like, I just need to get fucked up. He's from Jackson? He, yeah, he's uh, from no, Jackson, he's, yeah. He was born in Chicago, apparently. Oh. He might have grown up in Jackson, though. He okay. got a bunch of family uh, in Jackson. died cool. in 2011. Hmm. In New York City. Well, here's to you, Jill Scott Heron. Is it Jill? Do you pronounce it Jill? Gil, Gil, Gil. 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 I actually don't know. It's one of those ones I've always read and never said out loud. Yeah, um, same. Uh, I've always heard Gil. Jill. I've always heard it pronounced as I have, Jill. I have too. But I think that the, but if, that's just be from Gil. one person, yeah. I feel yeah. like. And I think he was just... Because it's Gilbert. Yeah. Short yes. for oh, Gilbert. Right. So, so, yeah, it's Gil, Gil Scott Heron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got to yeah. be Gil. But I actually think that that, for me, is like the that song... New York is killing me because it's done with this like incredible beat um, mixed by Jamie XX on the mm-hmm. album that he did called I Knew Here, which is an amazing album, but uh, filled with incredible poetry and tunes. But he, um, but that song particularly, and it has this sort of like r- rising gospel chorus. But I think it is kind of kind of nails it more than anyone. You know, it's just filled with lines. It's like this. This is one that's a bit like, like there's eight million people and I don't have a single friend. You know, oh, yeah. like, and you can feel when you're at your worst, like in a New York winter after a hard day, walking down one of the avenues mm. in a hard wind. You know, you're like eight minute man, I have a single friend. You know, this place is fucking killing you, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also had days where yeah, he lived in like, he lived in Jackson, Tennessee days. until he was twelve. Do what? He lived in Jackson until he oh. was twelve. There we go. Nice. Yeah, I, that's that's the confusing part for me. You know, me and me and Brandy talk about it all the time. Just being like, we both, I think at this point, want to leave. I think, mm-hmm. but are also really afraid of it because I I know well, once I leave New York, mean? you know, if like if I move away, I'm not coming back. Like, there's no chance. Uh, yeah. we're, we're not coming back to New York. I don't think. So like, I want to leave. But then I'm just like, man, you know, it's like, am I ready to close that door forever? I don't even know how to do that. Like, yeah, because I think the thing is, like, you know, I'm obviously a bit, I'm like, a long, bit longer in the tooth, and just in terms of age-wise. Like, I remember coming out there for me when I talk. I, it's funny, isn't it, when you talk about things in retrospect? I haven't been there since early June, and um, but when I've been talking about the city to people, I find myself, like I've been saying, sort of missing it, and particularly missing Fort Green, which is a beautiful neighborhood and a really mm-hmm. lovely community of people. You know. Big ups to Bagel World. Big ups to the Bagel World and the Peter Luger sauce. Um, but I, uh, and to Smooch Coffee Shop and all those beautiful people and bases there. But um, and many friends of mine still there. But it's funny because I find myself thinking, like, over the past year I was there, I just kind of hid in Fort Green because I freelance and work from home. So, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was hardly ever in Manhattan at all. And I'd get there every two weeks or something, you know, for running errands. And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm in New York. And I'd be like, I live here. Yeah. I have to remind myself, I live here. You know, because I was kind of hiding from it so much. And I think it was because I started to realize that, well, I've been thinking a lot and I've been saying out loud to people, you know, you kind of figure out what you feel about something through talking about it sometimes with the storm of thoughts. And the thing I keep repeating is that I think New York is kind of, I think for, certainly for me has been, or maybe it will be again, you know, but for certainly as, at times of life really important because I feel like it has a very specific 
I feel like it has a very, very specific energy to it. You know, it has this history of like incoming arrival and of great creativity and regen- and gen- like newly generating energy. You know, it's that it's a great city of newness, isn't it? And like an individualism and uniqueness. And we talked about this before, but I think if you are there and you have that, you have some mission that kind of matches those feelings do you know what i mean yeah. and most people come to new york for that they come to do something new or to be something new or to achieve something big or to change something up for themselves i know i certainly did you know mm-hmm. and that i think if you're coming there it's like the old little frank sinatra isn't it you know be a part of it new york new york but, uh, but there's another truth to that i think that sort of lives in the city and it's like a belief system that's like really active it's an energy that's present and i think if you come there and you have that about you if that's what you're that's where your mind's at. If you're like, I'm trying to achieve something big, and you're like a big mission that seems far away that you want to, I think it's maybe the best place in the world to be, even if it's yeah. really br- brutal, because you feel in tune, I think, with something much larger than yourself, which has the energy of that sort of engine, you know. Yeah. But, and it's that, I think, at 150%, it's like no prisoners, you know. And if you're in your that spot, you're like, fuck yeah, this is the place, I'm on it, you know, and you feel charged up, because everyone's there saying the same thing. They're not like, what do you do? They're like, why are you here in the city? You're like, I'm doing this. And they're like, fucking, right on, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> good for you. You're like, I'm doing experimental sculpture and I'm training to be a lawyer and I'm really into sort of like, you know, Argentinian tap dance and it's like high fives all around. Yeah. You know, but you could be in other cities and people are a bit like, are you really? <laughs> you know, but everyone's there. There's that sort of sense of weird, mad celebration. But the flip side is that I think if you're not even in, if you're like 20% off that headspace in New York City, you know, if you're a bit like that at 80%, yeah. Or you're even at, if let's say you're at 50%, like, yeah, I really want to achieve some stuff, but you know what, man, I'm just not sure what I'm doing in my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, is this the right thing to be doing? It's almost, it can be, I think, maybe the worst place in the world because that energy is going on around you at a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. And you're there mm-hmm. being like, yeah, hey, I'm not quite, <laughs> you know, and suddenly you're like, wow, man, like, there's, there's, cause there's no space not to be in. I feel like, unless you're sitting in the middle of Prospect Park, or hiding in your study in Fort Green, like I was a lot of the time. It's yeah. impossible to avoid that. There's very little give, I think, in, this, in New York for me. And that does that ring true to you guys? Because I feel like if you're not, if you're not kind of in that slipstream, suddenly you can really feel out of place quite quickly. That definitely, I felt like I had to g myself up into that place a lot of the time. Oh yeah, you know, to make sure I felt like I was kind of. And that can be useful in itself. But then I think that sometimes over the past year, it felt like a losing battle because I was feeling like I'm not sure if I was what I was there for at times, you know, a lot of work-wise, things were feeling difficult, or blah, 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 you know, the stuff of life, right? But uh, yeah. particularly as that, uh, for a particular city, it's quite an unforgiving place to be if those things are going uh, on. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a, uh, you know, it, it like, it's, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but it, it just, it, it's a, it's an uphill road. It's like, if you're not, if you're not powering up the hill, the second you start to slow down, it's only a matter of time before you start going backwards. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and it's like, and it, there's been, there's been times where I've been like charging up the hill, and there's been times, a lot of times, where I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm starting to roll backwards. Like, I've lost, I've lost ten percent of my momentum, and I can see the point up the hill where I'm going to start rolling back. Like this momentum's going to run out yeah, unless I'm giving di- it active it, power. It's, it's difficult to regain the energy. Often you have to go out, don't you, from New York, mm-hmm. to regain just a bit of composure and battery just to yeah. attack it again well i think that mm-hmm. was that was a big uh, benefit of our trip to france you know me and brandy were talking about it this morning uh with the girls from the chateau um you know i was like completely out of gas like could not have been more out of gas uh when we went and came back with like you know with some some ideas and some like crazy things that was like ooh, 
I wonder what it would look like to try this, you know, and like that, that little spark of a new idea was like, okay, like I have a reason to be in New York right now. Like I want to, I want to pursue this crazy idea. This is, this is the group of people, you know, there's somewhere yeah, yeah, in all yeah, of these yeah, 10, exactly. 10 million people. There's someone here who knows how to make this happen. Uh, you know, and so like, so, crazy that it just might work. Yeah. Just might work. But you know, it, it took, it took that going away and like, getting uh kind of a new idea planted to be like ooh okay all right i also think i also think sometimes like slightly counting what i just said like you know i think it is very totalizing in that way i think, I think we'll agree on that but like the um i think it also occasionally you know if maybe <laughs> like with all things if other stresses in your life are slightly in abeyance you know and you're like feeling generally a bit more secure rent's being paid earning some money blah, blah you know all that stuff and um there is sometimes in being in New York when things are open, you know, when you are in a place of openness, uh, that I can remember feeling like it's an amazing place to be just because of the enormity of that energy. And there just seems like this, like just an astonishing variety of choice and person and people and personhood there. Do you know what I mean? That mm -hmm. you feel like you're in this sort of incredible belly of humanity, like a sort of international humanity, this forge of people. And, and, you know, I've had really amazing days. If I think about the city and often if I dream about it, which I do sometimes, it's often that sense of just moving through Manhattan. It's such an amazing geography to, to walk in, you know, just to be on your feet in and to be in the flow. You know, I can think of plenty of days. They've all kind of, in my memory and mind, they just sort of all morph into one now, you know, like a sort of, like an endless trek through the streets. And, you know, if, if I was to, I think, and itemize those, there'd be, you know, just little dashes between places or... But I, did, I have had days, I think, where, you know, like Sundays or sometimes, you know, because I freelance, you know, midweek days where I just sort of just put the pen down and just spent the day. I've gone in for an errand in the morning or something thinking I'm going to go back and get my work and then actually go, you know what, and just sort of floated through the energy of Manhattan for the day. And there's kind of nothing like that sometimes, I think, mm -hmm. if you catch it at the right moment, certain days, I think particularly in the fall as well, if you're oh, permitting yeah. to get vaguely poetic about New York City, I would you say that permission. this time of year... I always think that the fall in New York is one of the most magical things I've experienced, more than any. I think it's this weird time when the city seems in sync and in tune with the season. It's like the season that fits it best. Yeah. It has I, this insane swirling energy, and then the energy of Northeast America in the fall in itself is, you know, these huge swirling winds and suns and flashes of rain. and It's just kind of extraordinary. New York is extraordinary in the fall and the colors with the trees. I think it's just yeah. like the best in uh, winter. I couldn't agree more. I think that's also why me and Brandy realize every fall we get extremely busy. Yeah. Um, and we, we we were just talking about that. We were like looking at the our schedule for October and we're like, man, I don't know. I don't know that we have a free weekend. You know, I think there's something going on at all time. And I think it's, you know, I think it's partly people are responding to the little, the first couple cool cold snaps, you know, where it's feels fresh and it's not like, you know, you're not bogged down and sweaty when you go outside. Mm. Uh, and it, you know it's it's beautiful and you also get that little bit of like uh oh no like winter winter is coming of like we I, better get everything done right now uh, before we're all like trapped inside of our apartments yeah yeah like months. there's still sunlight well, for me those months are like october through to christmas like those are the months yeah like the first month oh, of yeah. winter around christmas time i think you know, the other thing to say for new york city those of our listeners and also like i'm going to take this chance to say big up to is it anti our friend in Finland. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let auntie? me. I'll look up how to pronounce. Uh, we'll say Auntie. 
Uh, anti for now, and anti forgive us for getting the yeah. pronunciation of your name wrong. But but a really lovely email from someone in Finland who was exactly was that, the reason I mentioned it was that he was writing about not being able to. He's writing from Turku, I think is how you pronounce it, in Finland city on the South French coast, and was talking about how much he enjoyed uh, for our other listeners talking about how much he enjoyed the Umanoff episode, which we'd recommend you tune into. But really, is an episode that talks about like old New York and how it changed and about the history of the city mm-hmm. and. Um, and I think, and Antti just wrote in to say that he'd always dreamed of going to New York as a guitar player, and um, it really he felt that that episode gave a real flavour into what the city might be. And he even said he may never get there, but Antti, we hope that you do get there, and I'm sure you can one day. But if you do come, my friend, come and seek us out um, in the fall, because that I think is the time. That's the time to come more than anything. Like the lead up to Christmas, it's like the holiday season, you know. It's, I think it's just some, such a great time. The whole of November leading up to Thanksgiving. It's just like if the city feels festive in a way that I don't think I, that for a whole stretch of time that I think I don't know any other city that can, that sustains that. In the, yeah. You know, in, without feeling that sort of communal feeling heading up towards Thanksgiving and then beyond up to Christmas, it just feels and it doesn't feel cynical, even though obviously it's like deeply commercialized in so many ways. Yeah. I'm always I'm always slightly astonished that it's like the temple of capitalism and in so many other ways, New York for the rest of the year can just feel sort of deeply cynical and it's sort of how everything's a fucking thing and you know what I mean? You feel like you're being flogged a billion new trends in the space of two minutes and it's exhausting. It's like, shut up. But somehow that time of year just does not feel like that to me. Every time, you know, it always feels like open and big hearted and kind of communal and in the best possible way. I'm excited about this year because as our listeners may or may not know, I have started a recent part-time job at the Lego store in Flatiron. Come see me. Uh, uh, yes. And it's going to be a very, you know, it's like a very like, uh, I'm just my nephews it. It's going to be like, my, yeah. yeah. My nephews will be so stoked, mate. They, Good. they love the Lego more let than them, anything else in the world. Let them know. One, oh, of, my, uh, one of my co-workers is, uh, he's, he's an Englishman as well. I've, I've, they keep flowing into my life. Uh, but he used to work at the Leicester Square. Stop calling me an Englishman. I know I sound like a Londoner, but please stop this. Stop this. Do what? Stop calling me an Englishman. I know I sound like a Londoner. Oh, sorry. Well... Sorry, a British, a British person. You know, you know, I, you know what? That's that's my bad. I didn't. I, I totally forgot that 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 would probably English is the, not British. The, yeah, that's like calling me a Yankee. It is like calling you a Yankee. It's, it's like a common thread, actually, man. It's interesting, like in the states, like people they know, like theoretically, like they know the information that Britain yes. is a collection of nations with separate identities. But in conversation or just fluidly, they just will say English. Probably because it's a language, I imagine. But and I don't even know if this guy's English. Funny. His name's Liam. Well, he's probably Irish. He's called Liam. Or, or Scottish. Scottish, even. Yeah. Fair it's enough with me, know. man. I mean, I, I sound like I'm from North London, which is fair enough, because I am very much in North London as much as I'm from West Wales. Yeah. So I'm, for, I'm forgiven of it. But you know? are not an Englishman. You are a I, not, I do not. I do not feel English. I feel English. Yeah. And the strange mysteries of identity that is uh, inside my brain, I guess, and my heart. Yeah. Mm-mm. Wait. So, do do people Mm-mm. in England, like, if you live in in England, like, say you're living in London, would you can would you call would that person British or not? No. Everybody yeah. Yeah. So, British and everyone's British that. if you're in. Island. So, yeah. Here's the weird but, thing. Like, it is a bit confusing. If you yeah. Think, but so, Britain is just the island itself, which is Wales, Scotland. Yes. England. Whereas the United Kingdom is also Northern Ireland as part mm. of the Union. So no one says I'm United Kingdomish or 
Yeah. But they might say, I am from the United Kingdom or I'm from the UK. But, but you, if they were to say, I'm from so Great a Britain, Northern Ireland, really... a Northern Irish is not British. But Welsh, English, and Scottish are British. But if you went to if you went to Wales and called a Welshman British, yeah, no, that's fine. They'll say I'm British, yeah, because they 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 would say that, yeah, 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 totally, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm saying aside from definitions, like would they consider on a personal level? Would a lot of people consider themselves? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't think I would. I don't think you'd hear people being like, ah, as a Briton, you know, like in in Wales, they wouldn't be kind of like, oh, yes, I'm. Yeah, as a British person, you know, unless they're talking broadly about identity, you know, yeah. if, unless someone was like, you know, popping them on the street in front of a news camera. But um, it's probably a bit like us. We, we wouldn't say like North American or something like yeah. that. Like, but if someone said, "Are you say, North American?" You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm American." Yeah. Then. yeah, yeah. But in uh, in in the same way, actually, is that people might you know ask you questions broadly about what it is to be from the south which is obviously a big like amorphous idea in itself yeah whatever that means but it has currency to you yeah you know when you have an an opinion about it i think same way about a welsh person from wales if you were to ask them specifically to talk about what it is to be maybe celtic actually that might be a better comparison usually uh, people do usually people do like the only time it comes up i see is when people stupidly like me mischaracterize things as englishmen or english or something like that it's usually people just like like the only times i ever see people say like delineate the definition of british online and stuff like that is like scottish or welsh people being like excuse it's actually british not english blah 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 blah, yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. because they're very defined they're like deeply defined separate cultures identities languages as well as nations i mean yeah scotland Scotland actually has its own legal system i mean in some respects and that has always been the case since the two monarchies combined in the uh the unification in 1605, I believe it was, with James the First, James the Fourth yep. became James the First or James the Sixth or something. Yeah. James the First of uh, England and Scotland, uh, but um, but Wales is constitution by law part of England due to. Um, so you could, in fact, see there we are. You could, if you were to say, like legally speaking, you might well be right. You could make a case to say that Wales is English, but you wouldn't say that out loud in Wales because they would punch you in the face. Yeah, uh, and obviously, like the reality of it is that it's wildly different and culturally very separate. But I mean, like shit. I mean, like, oh, I know. I mean, I, I don't think about these all the time, but it's like a life thing for me because I definitely feel like, in terms of my own sense of, you know, who I am, it, it, it doesn't feel fluid at root because I feel very rooted and earthed in West Wales, and that's where I feel most at home. And, yeah, and that that just doesn't feel. I mean, that's just an isness for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very conscious in terms of the. Uh, you know, my experience of being in the world in terms of how people identify you, you know, how people make judgment calls on on the basis of certain, you know, symbols or sounds or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really interesting to this part of my mind, this way at the moment, Um, is about, because it's about those things and how you make, you know, the ideas and the assumptions people have about what a national identity is according to some of those signifiers, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, for yeah. me, I was there and then I was always moving between there and North London. I went to school in North London. My, my mum and dad super Welsh, but, you know, it's just how far do you want to go back? How do you want to define it? You know, my mum's ancestors come from the northeast and on the edge of Scotland, but then she was born up in Cardiff. And, you know, it kind of, these things always with everybody become endlessly fluid and weird, but, you know, it's a fun, I definitely feel like sometimes because of how people react to me, I feel a bit like I'm sort of standing on the water in between Wales and England looking both ways, you know, yeah. <laughs> in terms of how people react to me in the world in with my, and I have like the Welshest name in the world. So, you know, it's, a, yeah. But that's yeah. like you, Coulter, right? You know, I imagine yep. people are like, I'm Coulter Levi Longshore. 
people are going to make some. <laughs> like, you're the most southern man I've ever met in my life. That's right. Is that yeah. fair? Fair comment? Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, is that a really southern name? When you, when you, when Pete first said you got to meet my friend Colter uh... down south, I was like, "What's his name?" He, I was, you and Peter was like, "Colter Levi Longshore," and I was like, "That sounds like." The most southerny old timey dude I've ever, I've ever heard. It's of. definitely but, southern, because just in the fact that like there is an old biblical name in there, like you yeah, know, that's a very yeah, like, old timey southern thing well, to Levi do. Is like more, Obadiah and I feel yeah, like Levi is more the like my knee jerk reaction. Levi would be Jewish. Yeah, it is, but I mean, like it's like an old timey yeah, biblical, biblical name yeah, yeah, yeah. is like you know when you hear Jedediah, you're not yeah. thinking the Old Testament. You're thinking of oh, that man wears a straw uh-huh. hat and lives in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're thinking of <laughs> yeah, my oh, and and Jedediah fought fought bravely in the wall, uh-huh. yeah. the wall, the wall, northern aggression. Yeah, wall. I mean, like Levi Longshore was a Civil War soldier. Yeah, on the on the on the bad side. On the bad side. Yep. But I mean, maybe he wasn't a good one because he got demoted uh, in his, uh, you know, throughout mm-hmm. his time. So I still the like the, I still like the name, bud. But I, 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 I wish that I, I wish that you had the wall. 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 Yeah, that would be W A W A H W A H. Wall. 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 Uh, we should maybe we should call this maybe W A H W hyphen A H. It's got it's war has in in, in old timey southern like I, mean, I had a great aunt that talked like this in old timey southern talk. Uh, war has three syllables. Wow. 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 Maybe we should call this we should call this episode Happy Birthday. Don't mention the wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Because after all, I'm in Berlin and I'm, I'm definitely not mentioning the Wawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no have, you heard, have you heard tell about the uh, installation artist that wants to rebuild the Berlin Wall? Oh my God! <laughs> no. That is that is. It's the most art thing of all. I was time. gonna say that is a hard is at, hashtag art art. That gets an art from the from the new. Uh, how I don't know if you're if you're aware I've started a uh, a new art grading system uh, via the social medias where art either gets an art or a good art. Um, those are the and two those are, the, those are just the two camps that art gets to live in. Art um, or good art, and it's you know it's pretty much like if you know if it's good and has something to say, it gets a good art. If it's just art, art for art's sake, it gets art. Yeah, you know? that's and it. Rebuilding the Berlin Wall is art. <laughs> that gets art. Like hard, that's yeah. extra, that's, that's a hard story. But that, that reminds me that this is another story recently from last year, I think, here in Germany, whereby the you know the the right wing party here is called the AFD, um, and you know they've been recently they've been you know neo Nazi rallies and I think it's Auschwitz and Fusensagen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just You're made in, up like German sounding words, so I don't know what it what it. I, means. Don't, I don't think that's the actual name of the the party, but it probably sounds like that. Yeah, but they are. They're sort of nasty right wing party, like the BMP version here uh, is the sort of general gist. And there's been a resurgence of right wing nationalism, a bit of neo Nazism popping up in parts of East Germany. Again, it's like not very pleasant. And in fact, two days ago, there was a protest and a counter protest on German Unity Day here in Mitte, in the centre of the city. There's sort of 500, 500 like right wing and sort of neo Nazis came out, and there was a larger group of protesters facing down. So that's stuff's kind of alive again in the country, which is weird. But there was a response to one of their politicians in terms of like rebuilding the 
Berlin Wall is an extraordinary piece of hashtag art. Uh, this guy last year was the, a politician basically made a derogatory comment about the Holocaust Memorial artwork here in the centre of Berlin. Now, I don't know if you know about it, but it's an absolutely extraordinary piece of public artwork. Um, it's kind of like one of the most extraordinary in the entire world. It's, it takes up a block. And it's a sort of sunken series of pathways of these huge vaulted very, um, pieces of grey granite stone. And it's very simple, but, you know, it gives that sort of sense of walking into something. The You know, it conjures ideas of sacred memory and encountering and, um, and, and the numbers of people. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, this um, one of the AFD's main things is that they are trying to confront this idea of the memory culture in Germany. Have you heard of that, guys? The idea of memory no. culture, the remembrance culture, which is a big thing after the war. After the Wawa, that oh, wow. the, the, the idea of having to regularly and continually confront what National Socialism and Nazism meant in terms of the country and that it can never be forgotten. That's the idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty healthy. We've talked about some of these things before, you know, our, our legacy and, and these things needing to be. And we talked about it in terms of Birmingham as well, you know, how it's kind of present in the narrative of the city, you know, in terms of the civil rights, how there's a continual remembering that you need to have as well as you're going forward. And, um, Anyway, but the, this political party are attacking it, feeling that it's making people be ashamed of German. And one of the things he attacked was this artwork, this particular politician. And he was like, and he attacked it for making people being endlessly ashamed. I mean, it was astonishing. Like, you're just like, dude, fucking what? Anyway, mm. an amazing thing happened because a group of artists here in Berlin, after he made this announcement, without this man knowing, and he, this man lives in a small picturesque village, outside in East Germany in the countryside, right? Sort of, you know, like, I'm trying to think of an equivalent, you know, like a, it's a wonderful life, you know, sort of like beautiful archetypal, yeah. sort of like, you know, for the equivalent for Germany, you know, mm. uh, old school little village, really beautiful little place. So he lives out there. And they looked at where he lived and they discovered that there was a plot of land next to his house. Oh, yeah. I've heard about right? this, yeah. yeah. And, they, uh, this. and they bought it without telling him, just uh -huh. under an assumed company name. And then... They covered it up as if they were building a house. So they put like a huge tarpaulin over this land. You know, the idea, everyone was basically like, oh, someone must be building a house or whatever, you know. People, they kept them turning, people kept turning up with stone. <laughs> they're like, well, they're putting on stone. Like, they're obviously building a house. Yeah. But in fact, what they were building was a replica of the Holocaust Memorial statue. Yes. Like, not the same size, it takes up a whole block. But they built an almost perfect replica of a section of it, like a mini section of it on this guy's front lawn, on his sward, you might say, and uh, uh, his sward. Uh, and so they literally unveiled it. And suddenly, so this guy, every time he came out of his front door in the morning, he had to stare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm laughing just because it's like such an exquisitely beautiful and like brilliant oh, yeah. post to that sort I mean, of madness. Yeah. And he couldn't do nothing about it because they had legally bought the land. You know, yeah. there was no sense that they had to apply to do anything on it either. They didn't. I don't know what's happened since. It'd be worth looking up. But, I mean, that's a sense of what... I don't know. Jesus Christ. How do we even get onto this? We're talking about, like, your dad in the wild. Your, your you know, yeah. remembering things. And, uh, but, yeah, amazing. amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember reading about that. And that, that definitely uh, was awarded oh, yeah, the a Wall. good was art. Yep. That was definitely awarded good art in the, uh, in the Peter Korn art grading system. Hashtag good art. Yep. Good art. Yep, uh, you know, mm. I, I mean, am for real though. I, it's like a secret goal, of, not secret now because I'm telling the internet. But I, I honestly, it's like my my big dream is I want 
that at to become some a rating point, system. Yes. Well, I want it to be like, you know, it's obviously it's silly and like I'm, you know, I'm kind of taking the piss on the whole thing and Yeah. You know, because I just think so much of art is taken too seriously and like, you know, I just it's just me having fun when I go to these museums and things. But I do like at least once in my life because uh, I started posting about these things and essentially telling people that like, you know, Central Pompidou Metz in Paris asked me to come and grade, uh, you know, Pompidou on, on their, on their art collection. I did the same thing at Storm <laughs> King and, you know, it's just a complete lie. But I, I, my goal is at one, one day I want a real museum or some to group of people to, come. to say like, Hey, you know, we would like an official grading. <laughs> of our work that's like that's my dream i did it at the met recently like the Michel- i'm gonna tell like the Michelin's, you like the yes exactly <laughs> I, I don't i don't think that uh i don't think I that art that people who curate or uh who run art museums have a have a very good sense of humor about no themselves. it would take a very so specific you, person yeah, i mean it's gonna take somebody that's who, why it's like, a dream knows that it would be that this would be good publicity yeah it's just and fun. not and just and it's just fun yeah as a po- but i don't think that uh fun and like the people that run these things don't normally like i i feel no. like you're gonna have a hard time having someone it's, who has a good enough sense of humor about the whole it is thing. a dream for a reason uh <laughs> yeah. but fire escape listeners you can you can help me uh actualize this dream start using hashtag art and good art well, the thing is, I don't think it should, I don't think it should be hashtag art, man. You have the perfect name. It should just be a corn. You get a number of corns. No, you'd, be like, you'd, be, you'd just be like, they'd be like, well, this the statue must be good, man. It got three corns. Well, see, so what what I like about the system is that there is no gray area. There no. is zero room for you know. Eh, it's just maybe, look. Maybe if it's you, just a corn. If you didn't, if you didn't say, you know, if you didn't do something that was, you know, in my opinion, uh, noteworthy. Then like you just you, you just, just art. arted you just made art art for, yeah for art there's sake. a lot of you know for you know what does three out of five stars mean some people think that that doesn't mean very Nothing. good you know what I mean like it's it's like that's, that's Luke that's Luke warm water I spit that that's out of my mouth that's such a subjective you know? um, that's such a subjective yeah well and system. that's and that's part of the thing that I find frustrating about the visual arts world is that it is so consumed with like all of these people trying to find the most academic way possible to write about things that oftentimes, in my opinion, are booty. Like, it's just gobbledygook that people... I mean, some of it, yes, there's a lot of very intelligent people who are making a lot of very intelligent work, and they can talk about it in a way that, you know, they're smarter than I am, and I I recognize all that. But a lot of it is is booty. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more, man. Like, when you go to some of those galleries and you see, like, the stuff that's written up about the work. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's it typically drives me, drives me mad. Yeah, it's typically the artist's statement that bothers me more than the work does. Yeah, um, and so like you know, a lot of stuff that gets, uh, you know, that gets a good art rating, tends to just be like, you know, like really simple, simple stuff. You know, like just as simple as it can be, uh, because I just I think there's. I think there's room for simple in the art world and letting things just be simple and okay. Um, well, you know, it's because it's, but it's like, because it's what it generates is this weird, it's like you see it in all other worlds of like, you see it in definitely in like, technical writing as well, but in, in a different way, which is, yeah. no, but you see it, you see, it's internal. You don't see it as much um, on the external like you do in a gallery where there seems to be, but there needs to be this sort of display of explanation 
Mm-hmm. There's like this desire to somehow tell you what something is before you encounter it yourself. It's a form of like a control. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like a sort of strange sort of ego display. It's like, I'm so much better than you. Let me tell you exactly what this is before you encounter it. Well, it's kind of extraordinarily weird, you know, more than anything. That's, that's a fundamental thing that always drives me potty because I'm a bit like, don't tell me what it is before I see it, man. Like, I just want to see it and encounter well, it as and, a human being, you know? And I will say there is, there. I used to feel 100% that way. And there, you know, my my wife has made me aware of certain works of art that, like, if you don't get the explanation, like, the explanation is so much the point of it. And I've seen really great work that, like, without the explanation, I'm like, I don't understand what this is. And then someone explains it, and I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. You know? Oh, like, so, but is it really doing its job, then? Um, I, well, I, I think it depends. You know, I think... Can if, you, if you need an essay for work of art to work, I mean, is, the, is it, I mean, is it, is it, is it successful as a piece in it? Or maybe, may, or maybe, I mean, you know, the open question, I guess, then, is that maybe the essay is part of the artwork. Maybe that's the better way to look at it. Yeah, well, and I, I think, I think in the, in certain parts, uh, certain pieces of work that I think that's true for, and I think it's, I just, I yeah, think it's about what it, you want to get out of it, I guess, isn't it? You it know, yeah, question. it's all the intended purpose. And I think there's yeah, some yeah, some people who uh, – it's just it, – to me, it's a matter of honesty. It's a matter of being like, just you know, tell me, tell me what's going on if you want me to know what's going on. If you just like piled together a bunch of pieces of, I don't know, uh, wax and then want that – and then you've like – to me, it, it, the thing that gets me is I feel like when people – I see some piece of work that's like, this is just something you could make, so you did, and then now you're trying to make it into something bigger than it actually is. Uh, and that's when I feel yeah, like, almost, like – Yeah, almost like a provocation. Uh, yeah, it's, me, it's, it's always the other way around. It's like I don't want to be told before. I don't want reading – or you know, interesting commentary about something like that. So mm-hmm. criticism is really important, especially when it's like – you know, open-hearted and engaged with the work and trying to expand its ideas, you know, all that stuff. I think that's its own form in itself. But I just, I can't, it drives me bananas when you're, like, forced to look at all this stuff before you encounter the work. I'd yeah. love to look at it after, <laughs> you know. I want to go and look at something and be like, wow, that makes me think this. And, oh, that's strange. And, you know. Yeah. Da, 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 da. You're like, wow, oh, I think... I think, and then afterwards, you're like, he killed people. You're like, what? Oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, I mean, oh, like, hell yeah. My, <laughs> like, my, my favorite work is that way. It's stuff that I can just look at and I can, I can enjoy it without any explanation. Like Robert Smithson and Bob Andy Ross. Goldsworthy, Bob Ross, uh, Thomas Kincaid. Yeah. You know, but like those, those people, like, you know, the Andy Goldsworthy's and, and, uh, you know, even like Eva Hess sometimes, you know, there's some really great work that you can just look at and be like, man, this is, this is striking. I don't know why they made it. I don't know what this is supposed to do for me, uh, but I know how it makes me feel right now. Like that's most of my favorite work. But yeah, I have seen, totally. but I've seen some really striking work that's affected me long term. Uh, that an artist did explain, and I think they needed to explain it in order for it to have that effect. But it did work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think essentially it just means that you know that's probably part of the work. You know, that yeah. you know whatever that is part in, is in somehow in tandem with it. I guess part of me, I mean, maybe it's just me being old fashioned or like what I encounter. You know, I guess I look maybe I'm just incredibly conservative. I think when it comes to you know hashtag art or hashtag good art um, or getting a corner order, you know, I guess I think I'm looking for like things like beauty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and and as well as as much as I'm looking for thought and provocation and encounter, you know. Yeah. I think primarily, I tend to be looking for like for an encounter with something like the sublime or the beautiful. Um, 
but I, I think particularly with galleries, I mean, that's really what I'm getting at, is that, you know, when you go to large galleries, and I always basically feel that I'm sort of, there's that thing where I feel like a curator is shut, is kind of displaying intellect, and I'm just like, shut up, mate. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's not about you. It's not about you, dude. It's about these these other people. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't need to hear in advance. I mean, you can choose not to look, but I always have this thing, like, I don't even have it there. Have a little leaflet at the end, or, or you can take it with you and choose to. It's weird. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't think I think I'm sounding like I have really strong feelings about it, but I just I'm just having memories of certain exhibitions. It's not always the case because sometimes those explanations are just very just very particular. You know, they're like mm-hmm. made in Venice, 1553. These are the materials. Blah blah blah. Yeah. I'm always happy to encounter those things. Yeah, I mean, I've I've developed pretty strong feelings for it just because it's become such a big part of my world. Uh, and, you know, it's almost, it's like. It's like music or movies or any other form of creativity, writing, plays, all of it. It's like, yeah. you know, you just see so much There's crap get film through. and good film. Yeah. I mean, you just, you see, you, you see really great stuff that maybe isn't getting praised in any way. Uh, and you see a lot of stuff that is getting, you know, that comes through and is huge in the, you know, in the kind of the zeitgeist of that world that, you know, you just look at it and you're like, this is bogus. Like, I'm smart enough to under like this isn't smarter than I can handle and like and I'm telling you this is bogus. You know, I just I don't need this. Like you made this up. Like you that was one of the things this guy Rio, big shout out to our buddy Rio uh is in London but we yeah. Uh we met him in in uh in uh, at the chateau but he he was talking about shamanism and and yoga and a lot of these things that you know are typically a little more granola than my taste. But he said something that really stuck with me that he was like, you know, it's important to realize like, you know, this stuff is, this stuff is made up. He's like, and as soon as you can understand that and like, then you can, you can get whatever value you need to get it, get out of it. It doesn't make it yeah. less valuable. It makes it more valuable if you can understand. Yeah, I would say it makes it far more valuable yeah, to say this has emerged from some sort of weird, mysterious place. Like, I mean, I definitely in my own, you know, work, whatever, that I, I often feel like I don't know the answer, but you just have some, what's something, you know, because in theatre, you often you'll work with the director and actors, and they'll be like, what does this mean? And sometimes, you know, I, we found to say, and it can be frustrating, but I can feel like, sometimes I'll be like, you know, I'm not quite sure yet, but I think it feels right, you know? Yeah. And let's just go with that for now, because that's also true. I mean, like, there's quite a lot of writers like that. I mean, Harold Pinter, for one, you know, he's like, bit, whatever you think of his work, but he often was like, I've got a fucking clue where these people come from. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, I just don't know, but it's right. And yeah. it's precise and get on with it. <laughs> yep. you know? And he was a bit of a dick in many respects, but like, there's something about that which I think is true because it arises from mysterious places. And I think certainly with writing, sometimes you'll set something out and you'll redraft it. You know, of course, you know, you go through a shifting process of about, which is about technique, I think, more than anything else. You know, you want it to be the best, most sayable version. But essentially, something arises, it comes out, you know, whether with research or not, often there's this process. But I think you get this weird thing where you go, there's a degree to which you like you just don't know what things are where they're from and then but yeah. often you find out in retrospect you find out later i mean like the mind yeah. is weird well the mind is weird man like you know and that's one of the things i always react against which is when someone's going it is this and you're a bit like dude you don't know if it's that like, like yeah well, no that, one knows <laughs> the the perfect example to me is that uh you know it's not new but sufjan steven's latest effort uh the carrie and lowell record from a few years ago I listened to that record and I, you know, it's like I knew his mom had died. So I listened to the record. I'm like, dude, that is the best your mom is dead record I've ever heard in my life. Like, it's, it's just sad. It's heartbreaking. It's also really beautiful. It's just a fantastic record. I really love it. And then come to find out it's not what the record's about. 
the record's about his mom dying and then him not having a great relationship with his mom. And as a result, instead of being like just sad that his mom was dead, he was angry that he wasn't very sad because his mom had not given him, uh, you know, the opportunity to have the relationship in order to be sad when she died. And that's what the record was about. And you're like, wait a minute. And I I listened back through the record. I'm like, that just changed everything. Like that little piece of information made this record, this already great record, 10 times better for me. Uh, because I just knew this extra little piece after the fact that like it all kind of brought everything into focus mm. and it just absolutely it shot that from being like, oh, this is a really great record to like it's one of the greatest records of my lifetime. I, I mean, for, for me, um, mm. it made it so much more powerful to me to realize like, oh, because I mean, lots of people's moms have died. That's a very like general emotion that most of us experience at some point. Uh, but that that particular set of emotions and understanding that was like, oh, dude, this is a unique piece that uh, this is different. Like I'm experiencing this thing in a whole new way. So, like, I think I think understanding and having a little bit of that information makes. Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it goes without. I mean, it's almost as, I mean, it's just kind of like the laws of nature, which is yeah. that there's a, a degree to which the more you, you know, it, you might listen to a song and be like, well, I wonder what's that thing they're singing. Well, you might look it up and then you'll read about that thing and then you'll listen to the song again. Then you know the knowledge of that thing that you just looked up and mm-hmm. the song has its own new richness to it. It doesn't mean that it wasn't rich before, but maybe yeah, totally. it was a new richness. You know, it's just like, that's just the law of expanding and learning, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But, um, so, I mean, in that respect, of course, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes without saying. So it's not so much like information, which is the problem, but it's more about opinion yeah <laughs> i think totally. maybe i have an issue with but yeah it's the sort of dictatorial sense of isness like mm. this is that yeah. i feel like i i struggle with mm-hmm. i wonder what if if we could provide context to like all of our different episodes i wonder if it would have different meaning for people you know i mean probably it would but probably in explaining our context possibility yeah. we tend to we tend to like <laughs> conversate to the all the way to the end of a, th- you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. We circle things so much that by the time we're done talking, I have a pretty good idea. Yeah, I have a pretty good idea about what their social security numbers are. <laughs> yeah, like people probably know. Like, man, I got. I, I got like sort of, I think deal. circles yeah. the word. I feel like we sort of talk. We, I think we like we talk in vortexes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we sort of like go around. We'll add that. We'll add that to our lengthening intro. They talk in vortexes. I think I, I hope, hopefully I really at least. like that. That is probably the best thing. If someone ever asks me again, what, what's the show about? Because like it's hard to not go on a one minute preamble about what the vortex show is. chat. It's about a. It's a vortex of chat. Well, it's I, a vortex I, conversation. It's a chin wag vortex. Well, I think I feel like the, with the, with the goal of like every if, with every circle we get a little tighter, <laughs> and hopefully we start to circle around what we actually want to say by the eighteenth circle. Yep. By the fifth year, I feel yeah, like explaining. By the, by the circle of hell we find the answer i feel like explaining what the show is about is a bit like the cheeky nando's bit Dude. like it's yeah. a bit like oh it's it's really it's really simple yeah it's so it's you and your simple. lads right so it's you and your lads right and you know <laughs> oh, sorry, we got you, you over there lads, owl's, yeah. owl's a regular he's a regular proper bantosaurus rex yeah <laughs> He's a proper geese. We have a night on the lash, and you're just like proper peckish, yeah. So we're like, boys, look at me, a cheeky Nando's. Yeah. I'm out on the fire escape like... with the lads, right? We're sitting on the fire escape. We've done a porch in New York City or a stoop. So we're out on the fire escape. We're having a chin wag of a vortex with the boys, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's it. That's exactly. I just have to throw that on the intros of the shows. I I will say after a year of doing this show every single week, I still still struggle with telling people what it's about. I don't know. Maybe it's not really about much. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's about everything. Here's the thing. Here's something I've never thought. When I find when I talk about doing the show with other people, because it's like it's a strange window in your life, isn't it? Because you get yeah. on with the rest of your life, and then we come together. And obviously, I haven't been around, but often there's three of us together, and we do it in a particular place. But I think particularly when I'm away, it feels even more detached in some way. It's like this odd thing that I kind of. It's not that like I forget that I'm a part of it, but it's like oh, we're doing it, and then I'm doing it, and I'm like oh yeah, it's just, here we are. And we're engaging with these things, but it, it's a bit like this sort of self-contained world almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and also and also I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if anyone else listening maybe does their own podcast or. But there's a strange sense of both. <laughs> the thing I always try to enunciate to people or try to describe or understand myself, I still think I am trying to, or is that it's that doing a podcast is it's kind of weird. It's like it's it's a very unique feeling because you feel like at times we're just talking and i forget we're even being listened to yeah i yeah. mean hi guys Sam. hey some people hey. are listening hey hey you're yeah. listening to me now hey guys wherever you are hey auntie in finland if that's you these yeah. are our norwegian friends hey to our friends in the south and our friends in wales um shamai shamai but you know i forget good that day, people are even down under <laughs> good day, tell good me day, tell me day. email me about how bad my accent is <laughs> do you know i mean do you know no, what i mean i, I forget yeah, that i'm, I'm even in having that chat and I forget I'm chimwagging with people listening. I feel like we're just chimwagging. And then sometimes I remember. And then it's like internally, I feel like something's kind of being rearranged. I'm like, oh, people listening. You're like, oh, no. See, oh, I, I'm suddenly listening. I'm and, then, heavens. and then the third thing I feel like I sometimes say to people, I don't know if this is true for you, but it's like something, it's a bit like the placebo effect when you know it's the idea that some part of you knows that's going on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Which is that I often feel like I walk away from doing a record feeling like, yeah, that was, we're just talking to me. But there's also, I feel like there's, it's like a version of me. Like, it's like there's something which is like when you're in front of people, yeah. you know, that, uh, and, it, and I, but it's in such a subtle way that I can't quite name it. There's like a certain yeah. character that <laughs> yeah, you slide like, into or something. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure that's common with any form of like presenting. It's like, uh, but it feels but It's different than being on stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In a significant way because it's like, it's not live, it's not in front of anybody. Well, and it's much easier to forget. Like yeah. you're saying, like, yeah. hey, I've never once forgot I was on stage. Like, no. that's never happened to me. Yeah, yeah uh, but I feel like I am presenting a version of myself in some way. But uh, yeah, it, feels like, it feels like in such a subtle way that I can't really nail down exactly what that is. But, I mean, the closest I can get to is that it feels like in, now I'm in a chin-wagging vortex of trying to describe this thing, and I'm heading towards the center of the hurricane. That's right. And I think that it's, uh, and I think it's something about like, that placebo idea that's somewhere in the background of my mind, you know, you're kind of conscious you are in front of people somehow. You know, but you kind of forget it. And I often walk away going like, yeah, that was just me. I remember mean, just chatting with the lads. The lads, man, having a bat up. But, a bit of a bat up. But there's also a little part of me which is a bit like, oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm also slightly like Proper on the bats. fire escape. On the fire escape, you know? Yeah, I, escape, I, well, to me, escape. it's with, like, when, when we're doing these episodes, I don't have as much. I think maybe, depending on the stuff we're talking about. Like, if we're talking about, like, you know, something that, I feel like is sensitive, like yeah. political stuff. Yeah. Then I find myself yeah. slipping into being really careful of what I say, making yes, sure I'm thinking yeah. about the things that I say before I say them, um, in a way that I maybe wouldn't in normal conversation. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but that has value as well. I mean, that's that's, yeah. that's one thing where I think that self consciousness actually is important. You know, it's useful. It's like a useful quality because you're like, well, actually, it's about engaging with this in public. And that's yeah, well, and in, in, in the the like, you know, the fear of being misunderstood or the fear of you know maybe just 
having a, a slip up, you know, like saying something that, you know, in a way that you could have thought out better that, you know, whatever. But like, I, th- I think most of the times and sometimes with guests too, I think particularly with like our, our last guest, uh, how you weren't with us on with like Sean Diedrich, which I guess is our coming out. Guest. Yeah. Our next guest, yeah. um, uh, very proper Southern lad, uh, much thicker accents than ours. I definitely what? what? I, oh, oh yeah. You wait. <laughs> Ready, son. You wait. Uh, South, a translator. Yeah, Sean South Alabama South. slash Panhandle, I Florida. Do, I had to do some trans. How old? Do you know what a fifth wheel is? <laughs> no, man. Is this going to be like reverse cheeky Nandos? Yeah, it's, gonna, like it's definitely going to be Alabama yeah. cheeky Nandos, Alabama Nandos. Like we had to have, we had we had a long conversation about like what uh, Episcopalians and uh, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, well, I know uh, that uh evangelicals and no, like, no, no, you're like, thinking of uh uh shoot. what was he talking about uh bu- 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 pentecostal pentecostals that was it uh but but to, my point was just to say i mean listeners you'll probably you know maybe be able to hear it and pick up on it like you know i don't know pretty pretty early on i think i slipped into like a more southern version of myself because yeah. hearing, hearing this guy talk made me want to be like, oh man, I'm I'm down home like that too. A little bit, yeah. You know, like I, I'm I'm down home. Let's let's get into down home stuff. Let's prove it. Yeah, you know, like I I definitely go into that more uh, with you know with someone like Sean uh, or you know whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's characters. There's there's definitely you slide in. We all I think slide into certain things. It's like everybody that comes into the store that's Australian. I have to like reserve myself I my might. oh good i might she'll be right <laughs> she'll yeah. be right um before we wrap up with our one year anniversary episode speaking of how i'll mention the bands in uh uh in norway uh hello norwegian fans uh i i'm sure you all all you norwegians know and i'm sure a lot of you british listeners know who checked the bbc that an eight-year-old girl pulled a 1,500-year-old sword from a lake in Sweden. A lot of people know about this. I've been seeing this all over Twitter and people saying she's our new queen. Uh, but she's actually the new right queen now, of the fire escape. Yeah, she is she the, is the official queen of the monarch of the fire escape. We yeah. have bent the mm. knee. Uh, yeah. We have pledged fealty. We have her sworn majesty. our swords to fealty her majesty. Saga mm-hmm. Vanacek. Saga Vanacek. Long live Saga. Long live Saga. She will probably outlive us because A, she lives in Sweden, and B, she's eight. And she's now magical. Uh, and she's now magical, according uh, to Arthurian legend. And some there are some just great quotes from this BBC article. Uh, like some of the most some you know, my favorite articles are ones that have quotes about things that are like, Man, this isn't absolutely incredible. But like the quotes you get are like quotes that would seem like it would come out of like a state fair from, you know, somewhere in the Midwest. Like Michael N- Michael Nordstrom from the museum with that they uh donated the sword to said, It's not every day that you step on a sword in the lake. That's probably true. That is that is definitely For true. For most people that is not true. Uh, wow. Queen, uh, Her Royal Highness Saga Vanacek said, uh, I felt something in the water and lifted it up. There was a handle, and I went to tell my dad that it looked like a sword. <laughs> Great. So yeah, very, straight just like, very straight. Yeah. But what she really meant was, I, I dropped my hand into the magical waters of the lake, whereupon a handle presented itself. I pulled it out, and only then did I realize this was the lost sword of Svenga 
and I went with quick haste, verily, to tell my father the king yeah. of his also, discovery. A name like Saga. I mean, oh, you gotta yeah. be you Queen gotta Saga. Be man. Yeah, dude, there's just like we will, we will sing fucking... sagas of Queen Saga. Yeah, Saga, if you're out there listening, uh, you know, let us know. We'll, we'll get you on the show to uh, to tell the tale of how you. We've got to get, we've to... Got to get her on the show. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, we can sack off the search for Elvis and just get Saga on. And I'm happy yeah, I noticed something show. that felt like a stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, from what I understand uh, from my from our Norwegian friends, uh, Barbara and Anita, what's up, girls? Uh, they always say that. Norwegian, and in, this is obviously Sweden, but I imagine there's some similarities. But Norwegian, like they don't. Oh, did I say Norway earlier? I you meant, did. I did. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry, y'all. But but there's, there's I know a, I know the difference. The, what you're saying, Scandinavia, in the way that she's talking about the sword, from what they always tell me, like the Norwegian language, like there's just not that many words. Uh, so yep. like I think things are said really simply like that. Uh, like, they, like they've it. adopted a lot of English words because they just don't have Norwegian words for them. Uh, from what I understand, someone, you're, anyone in Norway is welcome to correct me on that. Uh, so, you know, maybe that's just, I think that's just the way, maybe Sweden's, Swedes are the same. I stepped on something. I felt a handle. I thought it may be a sword. Yep. That's it. That's just, that's the way you, you say that. That's for like searchlights. Yeah. There's <laughs> all covered in bees. <laughs> oh man, we're putting that. What are some, uh, what are some goals? for for us for the next year goals i I have a goal hit so many things so far speaking of being on stage one of my big goals for the podcast is uh if any listeners uh want to help us make this reality and have any ideas for it please send them along we're we're all ears uh we would like to do uh hopefully start a long series of live firescape episodes in front of real human beings yeah that's something i want to do and not just in front of my dog nope um, I want to do live ones. Uh, I want the mayor of Birmingham, Randall Woodfin, yeah. to uh, to be on the show. That's I would a goal. Like that as well, Randall, if you're listening, roll, give us a roll, ring. Roll. Um, what other goals do we have? Uh, I would like to get. Uh, we've already had the millennial Indiana Jones on our show, so be Hollingsworth. If you haven't listened to that episode, yeah, I highly recommend. One of the most impressive people. I don't. We, for, I can speak for Peter and myself. I don't know if I can speak for you, Howell, but I feel like I might could. Speak me, one man. of the I'm most one of the most voice. impressive people I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah, I, I want to say the most impressive, yeah. but I'm reserving that just in case. But I mean, not probably, as impressive probably, as my mom, though. Like you met my mom. Yeah. Oh well, no, 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 no. Philippa is is a is a mighty impressive. Mumby. But Mumby. you know, <laughs> Howell, take a. I don't know if we, that we filled you in on this. Do you know how old the the late the young lady we spoke to last week was? I imagine she's like 22 or something like that. Am I right? Uh, she well, 24, but still. Ah, dang. Yeah. No, that was have... just some tone. That's just some tone of voice, actually. Like I thought she was in her early 20s. Just that's all. She sounded man. I didn't. I didn't realize how how was a uh, was a. You were so good with nailing yeah. ages with voice tone. No, I don't think. I mean, I was just. In, I didn't even think about it. I was just instinctive. That was my answer. I just. Came out of my mouth. For no, me, I was like, just saying. I, I'm complimenting yeah, you on your I was, I on your thinking like deductive late abilities. Late thirties, early forties, just on accomplishments alone. Yeah. I was like, I don't oh, know. Yeah, how to... no, get me wrong. I mean, she just sounded younger. That's yeah. Not yeah. In terms of what she got, oh, she just she sounded like well, yeah, I mean, with energy and youth and brimming with vitality and all those things. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you were correct. Yeah. Uh, so but, yeah. Anyways, y'all anyways, listen to Sophie Hollingsworth episode because along that, so we've had the millennial Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. I would like the 
the space Indiana Jones. Indy from space, Sarah Parkak. Oh, yeah. Uh, professor at UAB and... What up? Go Blazers? Uh, and satellite imaging archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would like Brock. Glennie Brock of Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, definitely. Man, all who three is, of our who, goals who are is, Birmingham peeps. Yeah, well, you know, I think all in many respects, Glennie Brock, who will no doubt be listening, is, I think, almost like a patron saint to this show. It's she really works. is. She is the patron saint of... If Saga is our queen, Glennie <laughs> is our patron saint. <laughs> <laughs> we need someone else to turn it We got to heavy her. female leadership in the, she is in the definitely, podcast. Yeah, she man. is definitely the Thomas Beckett of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good reference or not, but yeah, she's definitely great. the uh, no, she's definitely the Saint David of uh, mm. of the yeah, she is the Saint David. That is right. She is yeah. the Saint David. Too um, do we have any other big goals? I mean, other she's than like guest the goals, Sir David Attenborough of the podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but she films us and makes these little documentaries, yep. that, and then she speaks really softly in a British yep. accent over, like you know. And now the fire escape entered their weekly ritual of talking into microphones. Here in sunny Harlem, New Speaking York City, strange <laughs> combination of Alabama English and London Welsh English combination. Oh, uh, yes, and they've entered their their conversational <laughs> vortex, their vortex of chat. Here we are, coming to the end of the episode. Um, yeah, and we are coming to the end of the episode. So happy birthday to us! Many happy yeah. birthdays. Yeah, we are. Oh, we're some jolly good fellows. I'm not going to go all the way through that. Yeah. That would be terrible. Yeah. I just want to say roll tithe and uh, happy birthday. Oh, Huzzah! wait, that's my last and one. S- and sea bass. I want I want us to make t- I want there to be roll tide t shirts. Yeah, I want roll tide t shirts. We were we were chugging away pretty good at that. That's for a big a goal. Bit, and then we kind of life got in the way. And guys, we you've been clamoring for it. I, I get a lot of questions like, "Hey, weren't you gonna make t shirts?" And I'm like, "Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, we promise a lot of things on this show that sometimes we sometimes we fulfill our promises. So yeah, this is a promise that we will keep to you within this next year. We will." make merchandise you will be we will podcast from the moon yeah that's my other goal not because it is easy but because Because it it is hard we will fight fight on the beaches uh in the wawa um roll roll for these things we will achieve them one day i will return to new york and we will be trinified and trinified yep Mm. All these things. And as ever, guys, you listening or fire escape artists, please do write in, give us your thoughts, yes. your feelings, your music. We might even give you a shout out. Vortexing. Yeah. We might even give you a shout out like we gave to Auntie. That's right. Auntie. I looked it up. It was It is Auntie. or uh, Auntie. So it said the A is the same A as from car. So Auntie? Car. Depending uh, on where you're from. Auntie. Yeah. Auntie. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so we gave him a triple shout out. Basically. Yeah, dude. We said big ups to Auntie. Time, you know, so, um, yeah. Big ups to all of our all of our listeners, and thank you so much for following with us this year and for helping us do this thing that is just listening to us talk, listen mm-hmm. to us ramble sometimes, listening to us talk to to people uh, of varying levels of fame and uh, renown, and you know, we appreciate you just being with us for this really interesting year uh probably one of the more interesting one of the more challenging years of my life guaranteed uh also one of the best 
uh Ritter agrees. He's he's nodding his head in agreement right now. Mm-hmm. AKA sleeping. Uh but if you have any questions, comments, congratulations, concerns, uh running out of a riddles. riddles. Yeah. Queries. I like riddles. I like riddles too. Um if you have any uh, I was t- trying to think of another C or C sounding K sounding word, but uh, that's that's okay. Quandaries. Uh, if you have any quandaries, <laughs> if you have any quagmires, quagmires, there you go. Send them to us, fireskatepod at gmail dot com. One of us will send you back a nice little note. Uh, nut and follow us on all the relevant social medias at fireskatepod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Coulter Levi. You can follow me on the Instagram, buttermilk underscore Pete. Howl. You cannot find me. After find a year, still a unfindable. You can find Howl in a cave. A cavern. <laughs> I'm in a German cavern. A German cavern. Yep. He'll be the, he'll be the Brit in uh, Berlin. Cavern club. Yeah. Well, uh, well. on that note, mm-hmm. happy birthday to the fire escape. Happy first anniversary to this podcast. Uh, be well, everybody. Somebody said that to me the other day, and I thought it was funny, so I'm going to repeat it. Be well. Uh, no, but seriously, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, it's been a real treat talking with you this past year, and hopefully for many more. Mm-hmm. Thanks, right. y'all. Bye. Bye. with the beer we got i mean the beer we got drank pretty good don't it the fire escape the days are getting shorter and you can feel it in the air yes it's that time of year pumpkin is finally back at duncan it's the cozy you've been craving all summer long now in your cup at duncan pick up all of your pumpkin favorites like the signature pumpkin spice ice latte or a pumpkin iced coffee and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.